Well, good evening. All right, turn if you would to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. As you're finding your place, I just want to share a couple of things with you real quick, just so that you're informed. I meant to tell you this Sunday uh, morning, and then I just forgot. It slipped my mind. But uh, every year, uh, we try to do something uh, on behalf of our missionaries that serve across the nation and across the world. And so for the last several years, I don't know how many it's been now, uh, we add $500 to each of the missionaries that we support for their Christmas gift so that uh, they can have a little bit of extra spending money. And we always send that in November because sometimes it can take a while for it to get processed the way that it needs to. And so I just want you to know this month uh, on Sunday, uh, all the mission checks went out, and so we were able to send out I think, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think in about an additional $4,000 or $4,500 in missionaries. And uh, so I'm thankful that we can do that, and I just wanted you to be aware of that. And then also, uh, with the Burnhams being here, I think most of you know the uh, uh, place that he holds in the heart of many of us here at the church, and probably many of you. And uh, for many years, they served, and... uh, They just served and they gave. And now at the age and the stage of life they are in, they live on a pretty shoestring budget. And so we gave them $2,500 just to try to be a blessing to them. And I can promise you it was very much appreciated and very much needed in their life. So I want you to know that that's where some of the giving recently has gone, uh, to try to be a blessing to missionaries, to be a blessing to Brother and Mrs. Burnham. And uh, just thankful that we can do that, all right? So that's what I meant to tell you, some of that Sunday, and it just slipped my mind, so you are now aware of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, we're thankful. Lord, we're thankful, or or I'm thankful, and I trust that all of us are, that uh, we can call you, Father. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, we can come to you in a time of need, that we can come to you in time of celebration and just express our heart to you. I'm thankful for that tonight. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this message, you would help me to communicate what's uh, on my heart from this text. I pray that you'd help me to do it in a way that would be uh, easily understood. And God, that you'd bless this message in the way that it needs to be blessed. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to begin looking at chapter 10. We're going to look at several verses. But before we do, I want us to think about something. You know this to be true, but I want us to be mindful of it tonight in case you weren't thinking about this prior to right now. But I think most of you know that in this world there are many dangerous things that people have to be around and that sometimes people have to work around. You understand that, don't you? That there are many things out there that present an element of danger with them and When people work around these things, when they are constantly in the presence of these things that present a sense of danger, you and I know this to be true, that many times with the familiarity of those things, people tend to get comfortable around them. You understand that, and you would agree with that, right? That here is something, and it is a dangerous object. It is something that uh, could inflict some serious injury or maybe even death on a person. And the more that this person becomes familiar with this particular item or thing, whatever it is we're talking about, the more comfortable they get with it. You also know this to be true, that many times 
people began to get careless around it. They've grown so accustomed to it, they are so familiar with it, they are so used to it, that as a result of being comfortable around this thing, whatever it is, they get careless. And when a person gets careless, what does it seem to eventually and ultimately lead to? It seems to always lead to some kind of an accident. It seems to lead to someone getting hurt or a very close call and in a worst case scenario, it could even lead to a person's death. And so what happens? Well, hopefully in a situation like that, there is someone who cares about the well-being of the people who work in that kind of an environment or that kind of an atmosphere. And so on a regular basis, a person who cares about those who are working this in, in, in this environment, they'll remind them of the need to stay on their toes and they'll remind them of the need to stay vigilant and to stay careful so as to avoid the accident that could lead to their injury or their death. When that person reminds them of the possible dangers associated with this item, it is up to this person then to decide how they will or will not respond. They will either appreciate the warning, they will either appreciate the reminder and say, thank you, you're right, I need to stay alert and I need to stay aware and I need to be mindful of what it is I'm working around, or they would have an attitude of, of the contrary that might blow it off and say, whatever, you're just being overprotective. I don't know what their response may be, but it could be completely opposite of the one who is appreciative of the reminder that's been given. But it would only make sense, would it not, to not take offense to the reminder. I mean, it would just make sense for the one who is being warned and for the one who is being reminded to not get offended, to not get upset, to not get all bent out of shape, but to say to the one who's done the reminding, well, thank you. It doesn't hurt for me to get the reminder for me to be told that one more time. Now, why start with a thought like that? Well, tonight I want us to begin looking in verse number 12. In verse number 12, we know who is writing. Obviously, by now, it's Paul, and we know who he is writing to, the, the believers in Corinth. And, and he says in verse number 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Now, you and I know this, but I want us to think about this truth, and that is this. Paul knew that the Corinthian believers were living in a dangerous world from a spiritual standpoint. There were many dangers that were present as it related to their spiritual lives, their spiritual condition, their spiritual future, and their spiritual progress. 
It's not as though they lived in bubble wrap. It's not as though they lived in, in some kind of a protective spiritual environment where the elements of the world and the elements of sin could not harm them and could not affect them. The Apostle Paul knew the kind of world that they were living in, and so as a result of knowing the kind of world they were living in, he said to the believers, take heed. What does that mean? It just means this, exercise some caution. You need, to be a, you need to be careful. You need to be aware. You, you need to, to be on your toes. You need to know what's going on around you. And in light of that, what Paul said was, Wherefore let him that thinketh, he standeth. What does it mean to think something? Well, it means to be of the opinion of something or to be uh, supposing in one's mind that this is so. We all think from time to time, do we not? We have opinions and we suppose things to be true. We, we assume we are of this persuasion that, that this is the way it is, whatever it may be. And so he said in verse number 12, Let him that thinketh, he standeth. What does it mean when he speaks of standing? It means to be grounded or established. Paul is saying there are some of you who are of the mindset and who are of the opinion, you are persuaded and you suppose that you are grounded and you are established in your spiritual life. That's what you think. Were there some Corinthian believers who were possibly as grounded as they thought they were? Possibly. But in this church they were certainly the exception rather than the norm. So Paul said to them, you need to take heed, you need to be careful. Those of you especially who think you are so grounded and established, you need to be careful lest ye fall. Well, what does it mean to fall? Well, it's kind of self-explanatory, is it not? It means that you fall down, you stumble, and... The idea behind the word is as you fall flat on your face. You know what Paul's just warned them of? In your opinion of yourself, that you are so grounded and so established, you could be the one who falls flat on your face. Now, how would that happen? Well, in the spiritual life, I think this would have been true of the Corinthians. And just bear with me here for a couple of moments. But I think what could have been true of the Corinthians and what would bear out by way of their testimony would be this, is that in their spiritual lives, they got very comfortable at times. And as a result of getting very comfortable in their spiritual lives, they became careless in so many ways, and as a result of becoming careless in their spiritual lives because of a sense of, of comfort and a sense of ease, they were the ones who were prime and ready to fall flat on their faces, spiritually speaking. So Paul is saying to them by way of a reminder, by way of an encouragement, Hey, listen, you need to be careful in this manner. You need to exercise some caution. You need to be paying attention to this. So let me ask us this evening as we transition into the thoughts. I want to ask us and I want us to consider this. 
Is it possible for Christians today to think they stand? Of course it's possible. In fact, probably most identifying believers are of the opinion that they are grounded and they are established in the truths of God's Word, no matter how wrong they may be. So many people who identify themselves as believers, they are of the opinion that spiritually they are strong, they are established, and they are grounded. And many times with that attitude, with that spirit, Christians get careless in their spiritual lives. And what happens when Christians get careless in their spiritual lives? They fall flat on their face. The danger of sin in this world wreaks the havoc in their life that only sin can wreak when they are careless. Let me ask you something. How many of us tonight, if we had to be honest, we would have to say something something like this. There have been occasions in our spiritual lives where we have gotten comfortable and we have gotten careless. And we were in our spiritual lives kind of on cruise control And at some point in our walk, and at some point in our spiritual journey, we fell flat on our face. Most of us have had those experiences, haven't we? Because, see, here's the truth of the matter. When a person falls, it's not always public. Sometimes we can fall flat on our face in the realm of the spiritual things of this life, And nobody knows it but our spouse, but we have still fallen flat on our face. I'm not going to cast stones tonight, but I bet I'm not alone. And I bet I'm not even in the minority here. I would imagine that if we would be honest tonight, many of us would say something like this. Yeah, you know, I I know of times that I've gotten comfortable and I've gotten careless. And and because of that, the things of this world, they eventually ensnared me. It it messed me up. and, and, And nobody else may know about it, but my spouse sure knows I fell flat on my face. My kids sure know that I fell flat on my face. They saw the way I responded. They saw the way I acted. They saw what I did. They heard what I had to say. Yeah, man, oh man, I fell flat on my face. Sometimes we fall flat on our face in front of our coworkers. You know, that testimony that's been developed over the years, all of a sudden we got careless and we got comfortable in our walk with God, then something happened and and within about a moment or two, all that testimony that we worked to develop in front of the co-workers, well, we fell flat on our face in front of them. And now there's a lot of rebuilding that has to take place. A 
I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes we fall flat on our face and we're the only ones who know it, but we still have to carry the guilt of that. Have you ever had those moments in your spiritual life where you just realized how weak and frail spiritually you really are? Friends, if you've never had a moment like that, I would say you've got a very lofty opinion of yourself. See, here's Paul writing to believers and he is saying, Church, take heed. Because the ones who think they are so grounded and the ones who think they are so established... Those are the ones who are primed and ready for a fall. And if the Apostle Paul could speak to us tonight, I believe that he would tell us a similar thing in light of the context. He would say to every one of us, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we think we're at in our spiritual lives, you've got to remember that there are many dangers lurking in this world that want to tear you apart in your spiritual life. And you better exercise some caution. Because if you don't, you will fall and you will fall flat on your face. Now, as that is where Paul is going to take them in his thought process, go back to verse number 1. We're just going to move through this real quick. But in verse number 1, Paul said this, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. All that means is, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be uninformed in this manner how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, who is Paul referencing in verse number 1? Well, he's referencing the children of Israel who came out of Egypt after their 400 years or 430 years of bondage there in the land of Egypt, those who were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. And he says in verse number 2, "...and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud." And in the sea. Now, I know what I think of whenever I hear the word baptism. I think that most of you would think the same that I think when you hear the word baptism. We think of immersion. We think of one who goes into the water and, and dips underneath the water to identify with Christ. But here is what we know as it relates to baptism. The entire purpose of that is for the sake of identification, not the purpose of getting wet. All right, And so whenever Paul speaks of being baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, he's not talking about this idea of the children of Israel being immersed in water so as to identify with God. But what he was saying in verse number 2, in connection with verse number 1, is this, that all of our fathers who were under the cloud and passed through the sea... They identified with Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so what they experienced together, they experienced together with Moses as their leader. That is who they were identified with. He said in verse number 3, "...and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink." What is Paul saying there? Well, it appears as though he is communicating... Not necessarily that the food and the water was spiritual, but that it was supernaturally provided on behalf of the children of Israel while in the wilderness. 
Humanly speaking, you're not going to feed millions of hungry individuals several times a day with what is provided in a normal wilderness. So what they ate and what they drank, it was supernaturally provided. And Paul goes on to say in verse number 4, For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now someone says, what does that mean? That's a good question. Study it out. Let me know. But in verse number 5, he said this, But with many of them, God was not well pleased. That's true, is it not? You read through the story of the children of Israel who have come out of their bondage, and God was not pleased with them. And so he said, For they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were destroyed in the wilderness. So here are the children of Israel. They've all come out at the same time. They've all identified with Moses as their leader as a result of being under the cloud and as a result of going through the sea. And as they have gone through the wilderness, many of them did not please the Lord. So what was it about the lives of the children of Israel that did not please the Lord? Well, notice in the last part of verse number 16... He speaks of how they lusted after evil things, how they had a desire for those things that were not godly. Now, I understand that I'm paraphrasing this right now, so don't get lost in that. We're coming back to it in a few moments. But here's what he says of the children of Israel who did not please the Lord, those who were overthrown or destroyed in the wilderness. Here is part of what contributed to them not pleasing the Lord, that they lusted after or they had a desire and a craving for evil things, for things that were not godly. In addition to that, in verse number 7, it says that they struggled with idolatry. Well, is that true? Well, of course it's true. When Moses was up on the mount getting the law, receiving the law, and he had been gone longer than the children of Israel expected and were comfortable with, what did they immediately turn to? They turned to Aaron and they said, Aaron, make us a calf, make us an idol that we can worship and bow down to. And that is exactly what Aaron did to appease them. And it says in verse number 7 that the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And so within a matter of weeks maybe or months, we don't know the time frame, but within a short amount of time, the children of Israel, in addition to lusting after things that were evil... They were also dealing with their own idolatries. Verse number 8. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. What does Paul say they struggled with in the wilderness? Immorality. Through fornication. So do you see this are the things that displeased the Lord, the things that were not pleasing to Him, the things that caused Him to bring about some judgment in their lives? It was a, a desire and a craving and a longing for things that were not godly, their own idolatry, and then they were immoral by way of fornication. And then he said in verse number 9, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. Now what does that mean in verse 9 and 10? It means this, 
that there were those who tested God in different areas of their lives. And one of the ways in which they tested God was through the constant murmuring and the griping and complaining. They were never satisfied with where they were at and what God was doing in their lives on their behalf. So you see what's going on here? Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be aware of this. That as the children of Israel came out of their bondage, as they came out of Egypt, as they identified with Moses, as they traveled through the wilderness, they were destroyed and they were overthrown because they did not please the Lord. And among other things, here is what plagued them and caused them problems their ungodly desires, their idolatry, their immorality, and their testing of God through the constant murmuring, griping, and complaining, never being satisfied. Verse 12, what did he say? Take heed. Take heed, lest ye fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. Believers of Corinth, you need to be careful. See, notice in verse number 6 what Paul said. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Notice in verse number 10, or verse number 11 rather, he said, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples or examples, and they are written for our admonition or for our encouragement upon whom the ends of the world are come. So for those of us, Paul said, who is now living in the last days, the ends of the earth, he is saying what was written and what was recorded, what took place in the lives of the children of Israel, all of those things have been preserved so that it might be an example to us and an encouragement to us. Because, see, here is what Paul knew. The very thing that the children of Israel had struggled with generations prior to their existence at that time, Paul knew that if they were not careful, the very sins that entrapped the children of Israel would be the same sins that trapped the believers of Corinth. See, the children of Israel thought they were something. The children of Israel thought they had arrived. The children of Israel thought, look at what all God has done for us, the miracles, the plagues, the the deliverance. Look at everything God has done for us. And they got comfortable in their relationship with God, which caused them to be careless. And when they were careless, they committed sins they would not have otherwise committed. So as you read through this, it's quite simple to understand. Go back to verse number 6. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. He said that we should not lust after evil things. What is Paul saying? Paul was saying to the believers, listen, it is possible for you to desire things that are ungodly. But I'm a believer in Corinth. Who cares? You have the ability to lust after evil things. Neither be ye idolaters, 
as were some of them. Paul, are you suggesting we have the ability to be idolatrous? Yes. It's exactly what I am suggesting to you believers in Corinth, that you can be idolatrous. idolatrous. Verse number 8, Neither let us commit fornication. Are, are you suggesting we can be immoral? Uh, yes. Immorality still exists today, Paul would say to the believers of Corinth, and it is still a trap that people are falling into because they are careless in their spiritual lives, and so you got to be careful of this. And you don't want to test Christ in the way that you live, and you don't want to be the one, he says in verse number 10, neither murmur ye. You don't want to be the one who's always griping and complaining. Believers, you think you're so strong, you think you're so grounded, you think you're so established, you better be careful. Because if you're not, you will fall flat on your face. And these are some of the areas, Paul said to them, you better watch out for. These are some of the things you better be mindful of and you better be on your toes because Satan still loves to trip people up and mess their lives up in these areas of one's spiritual life. Now this evening, we're not going to be here but just a few more minutes, but I want us to think about this. We've already admitted that believers get comfortable in their spiritual lives. Do we, did we not? We did. We, we agreed with that, maybe ignorantly or not really knowing where this was going, but we agreed to that, and then we get careless when we get comfortable. And then what happens? Well, we fall flat on our face. Now, if we know that there are dangers out there that Satan still likes to use to trip people up. Wouldn't it make sense for us to exercise some caution and to watch out for the things that the Apostle Paul brought to the attention to the believers in Corinth? Wouldn't that make sense? I thought that was a fairly simple question. It seems that that would make sense. To be on guard against these things. Now, I don't know if we're following all this, but you may say, well, what do you mean to be on guard against these things? Okay, well, something I need to be on guard of and, and, and guard toward, and you would need to do the same, would be this. We need to make sure that the things that we hunger after and the things that we desire and the things that we long for are not ungodly in their nature and in their character or their existence what do you mean I mean this there are many things out there that you and I can crave that you and I can long for that are not godly I don't want to try to spell them all out to you tonight because we all want to go home in the next little bit, but, but there are so many things out there that, 
that the world can get our attention with this and the world can get our attention with this and Satan can get our attention and our heart with this and pretty soon we have a longing and we have a hunger and we have a craving for these things. And and listen, whenever we get careless in our Christian lives and we begin to lust after these things, not a sexual problem, but when we begin to desire to have whatever it is over here that God has not ordained in our lives, I promise you that will cause us to fall on our face. There are so many professing believers who have made an absolute mess of their lives because they stop hungering after God and they begin hungering and longing and craving for things they had no business hungering and craving and longing for. They got careless. We need to be on guard in the area of our own idolatry. Brother Kyle, I'm a Christian and I serve the Lord God. It sounds good, but every one of us, if we're not careful, we have little idols that stand between us and our service to to truly God as we ought. You want us to start naming all of those little idols? No, not really. But they're out there, aren't they? You know, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this. Anything that stands between us and our walk with the Lord, that is an idol. It doesn't matter how noble it appears. It doesn't matter how the world says it's no big deal. It doesn't matter how the world may promote these things. If this gets in the way of my relationship with the Lord, that is an idol in my life. Susie can become an idol. My kids can become an idol. Oh, Brother Kyle, you don't mean... No, I I mean exactly that. We can get so wrapped up in something that seems so noble like our spouse and our kids that they can become the idol that we serve more than the God we claim to be a follower of. I just want us to see that an idol is not always necessarily the big guy sitting Indian style who's overweight. I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm talking about, you know, the carved image and anyways. An idol so many times can be the simplest of things that we don't even begin to notice. And if we pursue those idols, well, we'll fall. Moving on real quick, we probably ought to pay attention to our moral life. Because if we get tripped up in our moral life, we will fall flat on our face. Brother Kyle, I, my moral life is, is great. I've never swayed or, or swerved outside of my marriage. That's good. I'm just going to touch on this very quickly, and then we'll move on to the next one. But we better be careful what we look at, and we better be careful what we dwell upon in our thought process. Amen. My moral life can be ruined if I get careless by what I allow myself to view on TV, the internet, magazine, whatever. 
and my moral life can be greatly contaminated if I allow myself to dwell upon things that my mind has no business dwelling upon. I better guard it. I better watch out for it. Because if I don't, I will fall flat on my face. I don't need to test the Lord. And if I find myself trying to constantly push the boundaries, I need to say to myself, hold on, dummy. If I'm constantly seeing how far I can go within the grace of God, I might need to step back for a moment and say, what's wrong with this picture? Because at some point I'm going to cross the line that I didn't intend on crossing. So if I'm constantly pushing the envelope, if I'm constantly moving and just, you know, just edging over there a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, I I might want to step back and say, "I I better watch out because if I don't, I'm going to fall no matter how grounded I think I am. And then last but certainly not least, I probably ought to check my attitude. I don't think you can read through the scripture and ever find where God commended the murmurer. Where God commended the one who's always griping and grumbling and complaining and bemoaning and bewailing situations and circumstances of life. I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes I've noticed in my life I I get into a mood. Have you ever gotten into a mood? No, Brother Kyle, I've never gotten into a mood. God bless you, okay? Every once in a while I get into a mood. And you know what I've discovered whenever I get into a mood? That all of a sudden nobody can do anything to satisfy me or to please me. Everybody's wrong. Everybody's the the one who's doing things the way they shouldn't be doing them. Nobody can do it right. The kids can't do it. Susie can't. You can't. My parents can't. You know, random strangers. Nobody is as good as me. And I'm always griping about something when I'm in that mood. Well, whenever I'm in that mood, I need to step back and say, uh, you might want to watch out. Because if you think you're the one who's got all the answers, and if you think you're the one that always does everything right, just wait for it, Kyle. And at some point, you'll fall flat on your face, and it'll be proven that you're not exactly as smart as you think you are. Every one of us need to take heed, lest we fall. Because none of us are so strong in our spiritual lives that these things cannot harm us. If we get comfortable in our spiritual lives and if we get careless in our spiritual lives, so many things can attack us and so many things can destroy us. But we need to pay attention to the things that we desire, to the things that we crave, to the things that we long for. We need to pay attention to what might become an idol in our life and stand between us and the Lord. We need to give good attention to our moral life and the direction that we're headed. We need to pay close attention to how often we are pushing the grace of God and testing His grace and His mercy. And we need to check our attitude from time to time. Because these are some of the things that can come back and haunt us 
in major ways. So tonight, this is just a reminder that I know you would not be offended by or insulted by for me to just say, look at your own life. Take heed. Exercise some caution. Be careful here. Because if you don't, something can trip you up and it'll make you fall and it'll embarrass you either in private or in public. And these are just some of the things we need to watch out for. Is there any of this in your life right now that you would have to be honest and say, I probably need to address that before it goes any further? And if so, I would encourage you to do it tonight. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to be honest tonight. Lord, I know that we've talked about this in recent messages, but the pride that we can use to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're so grounded, we're so established, that there's just no way we could fall. God, that could be present tonight in the heart and life of someone who may need this message. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get through that pride, to get through that arrogance, and I pray that if there's anything tonight that needs to be addressed, because we've gotten so comfortable and careless in our spiritual lives, I pray that you'd help us to be willing to address it tonight. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.